Paolo and welcome to the Rogue Monkey Podcast, the show that shares insightful stories to motivate, inspire and support you on your own journey through work and life. We've reached the final episode of our eighth season and with our second birthday just ticked off, we would love to say a huge thank you for joining us. For our 64th episode, we're really pleased to be joined by an entrepreneur, endurance runner, author and international athlete. Mike Stocks, author of the captivating book One Track Mind, joins us for a fascinating conversation about his journey through both business and sport and some of the lessons learned along the way. Mike is a super humble guy and really shares some wonderful insights with us and we've no doubt you're going to take a lot away from today's episode, whatever line of work you're in and wherever you are on your journey. Just before we start the show, we'd ask if you can give us a quick subscribe on whatever platform you're joining us on today and after the episode, give us a quick rate and review as it really helps the show reach more people. As always, if you want to know more about the podcast or the team and want to speak to us directly, please drop us an email, hello at theroguemonkey.org. Okay, let's get into it and the finale to Season 8. Episode 64, Mike Stocks, exploring the extreme endurance mindset and the life lessons learned from 24-hour racing. Hello Mike and welcome to the podcast, how are you? Hi, Kevin. Good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, really, really good. Really excited to kind of explore your journey. Obviously, it's an exciting time with lots going on, but we'll come on to that. If you can give our, our listeners and viewers out there just a quick introduction, I guess, to who you are and your headline journey so far. Yeah, well, I suppose with who I am, it's, uh, yeah, it's always, a, I suppose, who I currently am as an athlete and um, someone who's just started an um, elite ultra running team. And um, who I, I guess was, was originally a corporate lawyer who then went into technology, um, who then started uh, some of his own companies, so sort of more entrepreneur. Um, and as I said, now doing stuff that's more sort of in my area of, um, of passion, uh, sport, running, um, and also writing as well. So I've uh, started doing quite a lot of writing as well. So it's a quite a, a varied collection there, I think, in my, in my history. Yeah, a very uh, kind of eclectic mix of things coming together mm. there. And I'm curious as to how the whole endurance sport thing started. Was that something that kind of emerged early in your life or is that something that you came to later? I think like a lot of people, I, I got interested in running and marathons and things in my 30s because sort of in the 20s, it was cigarettes and booze and <laughs> and near death from stress, <laughs> work stress. And um, so dealing with that was, um, you know, running was part of, of dealing with that problem and then um, you can probably hear from my accent I'm South African originally I have lived in the UK for over 20 years but if you're a runner and South African the only thing that matters is a race called the Comrades Marathon which is um, or called a marathon but it's actually 56 miles so it's 90 kilometers so it's two marathons and a 5k and if you're South African and you run a marathon people just assume it's because you want to qualify to run the Comrades Marathon so um, I had to uh, take that that leap, um, which I did. I ran my first comrades, and that kind of got me involved more in in endurance and in longer events. And um, I just found the whole thing fascinating, both from a, a personal point of view, uh, the performance elements, the training, but also just the mental side. And uh, my first race didn't go well at all. 
Um, and so uh, what I learned from that and how I built from that just got me more and more interested in, in endurance. And then um, progressively through my 40s, I started getting more amb ambitious and um, I kind of had this idea of trying to run for England uh, at uh, 100K. There's a certain race I was hoping to be selected for. And eventually I had the, the dream of running for Great Britain, um, which uh, in, in an event called the 24 hour, which is basically running for 24 hours um, whoever goes the furthest wins, um, which obviously sounds pretty ridiculous and, and probably is, but um, it's also very, very tough. So sort of progression of, of becoming more and more interested in, in endurance, I think, through my own experiences, but also through just the learning more, listening to, to podcasts like this, listening to people who'd done unusual things and who'd learned a lot about uh, physical and, and mental performance and wanting to learn those things myself and then also to be able to contribute my own learnings I guess to to those areas. So did you find when you kind of started to go into this, this world um, in your kind of 40s that actually looking back some of the endurance aspects to I guess your work because anyone who's worked as an entrepreneur founded a business worked in those kind of spaces that you're in they're not easy and actually you develop a level of resilience and a mindset that perhaps transfers quite well into endurance sport although at the time as I said smoking and drinking you probably weren't thinking along the kind of athlete performance mentality but do you find now that you draw back on some of those tougher times especially when you were first getting into it? Yeah, drinking and smoking is endurance of its own kind as well. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely. And there's and funny thing about um, sort of ultra distance. There's a lot of obviously mental strength involved. And there's a possibly one of the greatest um, runners of all time, Janusz Kuras, um, said that something along the lines of of life experience being so helpful for for um, ultra endurance running. In other words, for being able to just keep going for long periods of time because life experience of any kind, particularly difficult experiences, does just give you the ability to handle things, you know, to know that, um, that uh, to have mechanisms, means, techniques to get through the tough times. And I like to say it also turns you into an optimist. Um, and by optimism, what I mean is just uh, developing a belief that whatever you're going through, or whatever is thrown at you, that you can find a way through and make the best of of it. it doesn't mean everything's just going to be perfect, but optimism just meaning that I believe that I'll I'll make the best of it and I'll find a reasonable result out of whatever comes my way. And I think the more you go through in life, um, the more that becomes apparent. And um, so yeah, I think those difficult uh, times starting businesses um, definitely because being an entrepreneur has the most incredible highs and the most incredible lows. So you have a phone call, you go, wow, great, it's all going to work. This person wants to buy my product. And then the next day, you know, actually they don't, you know, crashing defeat. Oh my God, everything's you know, terrible. We're going to crash, we're going to lose all our money. Um, so I think realizing you can come through those highs and lows and actually, you know, life carries on and you've made the best of it, I think is very helpful in any, any elements of life and um, absolutely sort of endurance running being, being one of them. So at what point did you start? Because obviously you talk there a lot. It's quite a personal journey. At what point did you start, I guess, trying to share that outwards in terms of actually putting pen to paper and ultimately ending up in writing the book? Did you, was there a tipping point with that or was that something that just happened, I guess, over time through osmosis? The actual book itself, which I'm going to plug um, ruthlessly, One Track Mind, um, the book is uh, actually happened almost uh, 
say by accident, but not by accident, but it wasn't something I expected to do. Um, but I ran this, my first 24-hour race, and it was around a, a normal athletics track. So basically running for 24 hours around this 400-meter athletics track. And it was an incredibly um, intense life experience, which I hadn't expected. There was about, I think, 57 other people in, involved in the race. Um, and the, the crews that supported us uh, had their tents and their camps around the, the side of the track. And there was this unbelievable sense of community and these amazing life stories going on on the, on the track. Everything from uh, Jeff Oliver, the 87-year-old um, man, way 85 as he was then, uh, who ran 77 miles in 24 hours um, in 19 hours of rain. I mean, just incredible. Uh, to all these other amazing stories uh, of these, these incredible humans that were out on this, on this track. And um, as I said, the interaction of the, of the organizers and the crews and the runners, um, in, normally in a race, you, everyone just separates and goes off, particularly an ultra event. You could maybe not see anybody for eight hours or something. Whereas here, you're all together. You keep passing each other. You see who's doing what. It's like a goldfish bowl in terms of everybody's race. You see them go through good times and tough times. And so at the end of all of that, um, I was the day after the race and I just started writing down some of the things that I'd learned and I didn't want to forget. And um, that this idea has just kind of flowed out of me because I just really had something to say. And that became uh, my book, One Track Mind. Um, and initially I had even thought it would be a, a business book. Um, and, and some of the things that I, I learned and that we learned from our experiences and from endurance and extreme experiences are very translatable to business. But it, it ended up being just more about life and, and some of the things that it, it kind of brought home to me about life and about what's important um, you know, in life, uh, going through that experience and being part of that, that community that I, I hadn't really appreciated existed. So, yeah, it was it's just one of those things that sort of happened, really. But it must have been, I guess, quite a powerful experience because in terms of the actual getting it down on paper, because one of the biggest things about experience is they often just stay locked in your mind. And granted, we have a lot more perhaps digital media and digital ways of capturing things than we did previously. But generally speaking, that personal experience stays locked in your head and it's something that you carry with you for life. So to actually then extract that and look in the deeper meanings of it and interact that with, I guess, different aspects of your life and pull that together. When you kind of finished it all and the, you know, the, they sent the first version of it through kind of all finished and you read it back. Did that, what was the impact like of that to actually, I guess, see it almost like uh, from the International Space Station looking down going, wow, this is it kind of all come together. <laughs> I read, I read once uh, someone in an author saying that, when you, when you first read your own book, you're going to hate it because you're just going to go, it's not good enough. And um, I must say, when I read it, I, I, I had a positive experience just because I thought, I'm so glad I've captured this because even if nobody else ever reads it, this is, this is stuff I might forget. You know, I'm worried that I might forget some of these things. And I've actually got it here and I can sort of hang on to it and maybe read it myself in 20 years time or, or whatever it might be. So it does feel like capturing a moment in time and um, yeah, so it's a bit weird, but it was, it was actually a positive experience. Of course, you always think I could have done that better or that better, but you know, I think like anything, you can't just keep working on it forever. At some point you have to go, it's finished. <laughs> here, here it is, it's finished. So, um, but yeah, it was actually a very, very positive experience. And, um, and I must say the, just the experience of having this book out there has been amazing. Just the, sort of the conversations that have flown from it, the, 
the people I've met because of it. You know, someone pops up somewhere in the Midwest US who's who's kind of it helped them with something or you know from other other side of the world and just these amazing um, random conversations and um, and stories I've heard about that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So the whole thing's just been yeah, really really positive. I must say. It does almost feel like a domino effect, though, where you've gone through that experience of getting into the endurance sports world in the first place, going on that athletic journey yourself, capturing it, and then actually spreading the words and the other stuff you've done with people. At what point did those two things start to come together to go, actually, I've got information and support that I want to share with other people, but actually I want to use the sport I'm doing as kind of a vehicle for that to get to the point now where you're launching this new team. Can we just kind of explore that from idea and concept of that emerging kind of to where we are now? In, in terms of the, yeah, sort of the team and the, the message and um, yeah, I, I suppose these things happen often by sort of evolution, really. I, I suppose I'm a big believer if you just follow your, your, your passions. Um, I mean, my wife kind of talks about it as sort of you know, if you're looking for where you want to head, she has this sort of concept, sort of, sort of acorns, you plant acorns and you, you start building, um, in, you know, a number of different things and you see what grows. And um, for me, sort of uh, moving in the direction of, of endurance, of, of using the, of, of having things to say and, and finding ways to say them, be it through a book or through a team or through engaging with, um, with the community was something that sort of again happened by degrees. So, you know, first there was the experience of, of, of the race, um, then the book, which obviously creates a great platform. And then it was, it's really a case of just sort of following that and seeing where it goes. And the team as an idea, um, and maybe I'll, I'll just give a little bit of background about the team in a moment, um, but the team Hour 7, um, uh, the ultra running team, was something that I thought about for about a year before I actually did anything, anything with it. Um, and that was because there were just a few bits missing for me. So I thought it's a great idea, but it wasn't all completely formed. It wasn't quite enough there to make to make doing it um, sort of viable, exciting enough. And then a couple of bits fell into place just from, you know, a conversation here, a podcast I listened to there. And so, yeah, big believer. And if you, if you open your mind to to possibility and head in, in, in the direction of, of the things that interest you and excite you and that you value, that you'll find you know, interesting ways to, to get your message across and, and just to find really cool things to do. Because a lot of what I'm doing now with the team is, is just about enjoyment and fun and passion and, and you know, with the athletes as well. Obviously, we, you know, we're a team that, it's an elite running team, we want to win races, but actually our ethos is about learning. So if we don't win and we learn, um, you know, th that actually is, is great. You know, we're just gonna do our best and we're gonna, enjoy ourselves and have and find joy from what we do um would it be helpful if i just give a quick sort of uh, overview of the team and just what we what we're trying to do with that or do you want to do that a bit later yeah and i well i was going to say and i think for a lot of listeners out there especially if you're not from the traditional sports world perhaps their view of sport might be looking through if you like the goldfish bowl and seeing it on mm. tv once a year once every four years and thinking it's the athlete behind the block or you know on the track or whatever it is and that's it Whereas actually the, the nature of not just endurance sport, but so many different aspects of sport is that team of people around them. And obviously going on that journey yourself as an athlete and seeing those people around you, it must have been really interesting to go through that kind of year period of it being an idea to going, look, I know I need a team around me to do this. And I'm sure lots of other people do too, to actually then going, oh, there's a piece of the puzzle. Oh, there's a piece of the puzzle. To the point where you almost got the picture. What was that moment like actually pulling the trigger and kind of going, right, I'm actually going to do this. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, both great and also slightly scary, I suppose, because you know, okay, I'm going to, this is going to happen. It's not just because it's easy having an idea and having all these thoughts of being great at that or imagining yourself doing something. But, but for any sort of entrepreneurial person or, or entrepreneurial moment, you, you, at the end of the day, it's about actually action and doing things and, and just taking the next step that will get you to where you want to be. And for me, probably the moment when I was definitely going to do it, I, I called a friend of mine, Dom, uh, who's my co-founder, and said, um, this is, you know, we kind of vaguely discussed it. I just said, I'm going to do it. Um, are you in? And, um, and he was like, yeah, sure, why not? And then it sort of just uh, it kind of went from there. Um, and yeah, that, that, is a, that is a great moment. And, um, but you know, get, getting to that point, I suppose I had already put, as you say, some of the pieces together in my mind. Um, so, you know, how am I going to do it? Uh, where's the money coming from? And, um, uh, you, know, what's, you know, what kind of expertise can I bring um, through people I know? Um, or what can we obviously afford to, to buy and bring in? All those kind of things. And who, who, who needs to be involved? And what's the concept here? Because the concept changed quite a lot over that you know, year of, of thinking about it from initially something where it was about you know, some athletes. Um, and, and yes, we wanted to give them um, you know, amazing world-class support. Um, so the kind of support that an Olympic athlete would get, because I believe quite strongly that just because your event is not an Olympic event um, does not mean you should not get the same kind of support in terms of physiology and psychology and nutrition that an Olympic athlete, a leading Olympic athlete gets. So that's what we're trying to do with the team. So we so went from that to being something where we also thought we want to really engage with the science of endurance. So, and the science of endurance by you know, with looking around the world and saying, what's the best things that are going on anywhere in any sport? What can we learn from them? What can we try with our team? And then what, what can we share back with the world? So um, we want to not just sort of implement best practice on, 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 on endurance, but also do some of our own research, um, come up with new ideas, for example, for how to test endurance athletes. Um, we want to contribute in areas like um, uh, female um, uh, women's endurance in, in particular, where there's a, a serious lack of, uh, of studies that have been done. And um, so, and that was in fact the bit that the final bit that kind of dropped was, hold on, we can actually do something around the science ourselves. This is not just a running team. This is about learning and it's about sharing learning as well. And that's when I got really excited. That was like the missing piece. And Don, my co-founder, that he's also massively interested in those kind of areas. So it became a no-brainer at that point to, to just go for it. So let's kind of explore then where we're up to with it. And I guess the the launch, if you like, and actually the now it's here, everyone's come together, the pieces of the puzzle are complete, if you like. Let's talk through what that actually looks like now. Yeah, so um, we've got, we're starting with six athletes um, and uh, the idea of, of six, it's not too many. So we can really, really focus, get everything right. You know, we'll give them the right levels of support before we start adding probably up to another sort of six athletes uh, during this year. Um, half, half, half men, half, half women. Um, and um, then we put a, we, we've got a fantastic group of uh, expert advisors who are um, going to be involved with the athletes and uh, they cover broad uh, spectrum of, of, of different areas of support. 
and um, so obviously everything from nutrition, uh, mental performance, um, uh, we've actually got two people involved in the mental performance side, and um, uh, strength training, physio, physio. Um, we've got a partnership with um, uh, Jamie Pugh, who is a fantastic uh, physiologist who works with some of the best runners in the country um, out of John Moore's uh, University in Liverpool. They've got a amazing uh, lab facility there for sports science. So uh, we're very excited about that and um, you know, getting our, our, our uh, athletes in the, in the lab and being able to, to work with Jamie on coming up with some really interesting novel protocols as new kind of ways to test, to test athletes who are running for days sometimes. It's very different to someone who's going to do two hours or three hours of a marathon. You know, what happens to someone's body after six, 12, 20 hours? You know, these are the kind of things we want to, to try to understand and to feed back to the world. So, um, so we've got all that in place. Um, and then um, we had our, um, actually, we had our, a filming session just for our website at Cheddar Gorge uh, in the UK a couple of weeks ago. And it was just the most wonderful day because it was the first time our athletes, we had five of them there anyway, were together. And it was just this incredible um, kind of bonding experience. Everyone just got on really well. Everyone's just really excited about, about the whole project. So, um, and now we launched uh, literally just a couple of days ago and um, it's about starting to get the word out. And, but uh, for myself uh, and Dom and, and, and Robbie Britton, who's our team manager, it's obviously now about sitting with the athletes and saying, okay, we've got all this great stuff in place, um, but how do we make sure we don't forget the most important thing, which is to deliver to the athletes and to help them um, do incredible things and to become, become better athletes. And um, so we're going to be doing that now over this week and then starting to engage our, our experts and, um, and, and, and go from there, really. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, yeah, really exciting time. Well, without thinking too far ahead, have you kind of got a, a let's say, a one-year and three-year ambition of where it could go? Or are you kind of going to actually let it evolve as it evolves, if you like? There's a big part of it is, is letting it evolve. Um, we do need to develop some sort of commercial elements around it to make it sustainable. So obviously that sponsorship and it might be, be other things. But so the sustainability, the long-term sustainability is important. And so there will be elements of that. Um, but primarily, it's I think the key thing will be how many athletes we can we can work with. So uh, we don't want to build it to a, a size where we can't actually you know, help everybody in the right at uh, the right level. Some of that will depend on the amount of sponsorship and other fundraising and where all that goes and you know, how much money we get in. Um, but we also think we will be able to help. Um, certainly, a big part of the vision is to help both um, certainly GB Great Britain running by um, working a bit with the some of the GB ultra running squads. So if, if there's any way we can help them with what we learn, um, I mean, a lot our runners are, are all basically GB athletes anyway, but um, certainly if there's if we can work with some of the other athletes and help in any way, we'd really like to do that. Um, certainly, I see no reason why we wouldn't have uh, teams in uh, other countries eventually. That's obviously a much longer term uh, vision and um, you know, other, apart from that really yeah it's just it's just and also you know very importantly how we how we kind of develop our own science our own learning and how we share that with uh, with the rest of the world um, so in ways that's kind of easy 
for people like me to understand. I'm not a scientist, but I love the science. I'm very interested in it. So how do we learn something and then just make it accessible and, um, and, and uh, digestible and available just for other people to, to, to use? Um, we'd also love it if some of the things we learned went beyond running. So for example, if we can learn something really useful on endurance, um, you know, can that apply to a firefighter fighting for 30 hours against a massive blaze? You know, can it be used by people doing double shifts in ICU? So is there anything that, that, that around endurance that could be translatable um, that would help people in other areas of life? Uh, that, that would be a, another one we'd be very keen to, to explore. So there's a lot there, and obviously we can't do everything, but um, we're going to try. <laughs> so. It must be it's an entrepreneur's dream to guess sit at the kind of crest of the wave in terms of technology and science and actually bringing those things together where you are adding value but also forging new paths because I think too often it's and not being harsh on others but it's relatively easy to follow in somebody else's footsteps and actually go well we've got this information we're going to use it to make the best of our team whatever it is whereas to actually kind of put yourself out there and say look we're actually going to go into places that have perhaps not been explored before and we're going to tell everyone about it so that everyone benefits from it that's it must be a really exciting space from a point of view of quite literally not knowing what's around the corner and you might uncover something that could change thousands of lives in completely different industries that must be really really exciting well, that yeah, that would be obviously amazing. Um, yeah, the the whole idea is exciting. It it just feels, it just feels like you know, a. I mean, I've done things in the past where it's been interesting, but it's not. I suppose it wasn't in my really in my area of passion. Um, whereas this, it's it's both just interesting, it's fascinating, and there is, as you say, that possibility that we we're just going to find something really helpful. And even if it's just Things that add a bit um, here and there, it's, it's and it's and it's interesting and it helps people even just in running, um, or it stimulates conversations. That's going to be worth it as well. Um, but yeah, we not knowing kind of what the future holds, but but believing that it's going to be interesting and uh, that it could be very positive is is a is a very very good feeling. And I think coming from a, a technology background um, as well, they're not an engineer, but sort of having having been involved in, in quite a few technology businesses, um, you know, it, it, that's going to be quite helpful. And it may be that um, you know, we, we, we identify something with a, a sort of technology um, angle, but, you know, if we don't, that's, that, that's also okay. Um, and um, as a writer, of course, I'm also thinking that we're going to, just even just the sort of the whole adventure of what we're doing is going to be something that I'm going to want to share at some point. And um, so, yeah, there's, a, there's certainly a lot to, lot to look forward to. From there. A bit of a broader question. I mean, you mentioned the word passion quite a few times now, and actually having had the experiences through the different work journeys that you've been on and then through to your own athletic journey, and then obviously with the team now, what is your kind of reflections around actually, number one, seeking things that you're actually passionate about, but number two, actually applying yourself to them? Because I think a lot of people during all the various lockdowns we've had over the last few years have had, they've either been on furlough or they've had time where perhaps they wouldn't have had before. And they've started exploring that space of, well, what am I passionate about? What am I interested about? Having kind of now gone on that journey professionally, personally, and now with the team stuff, What's that kind of been like for you in terms of reflecting back and thinking about passion as something for all our listeners and viewers out there? Yeah, um, there's a number of elements to that. I suppose at a work level and, and following passions, I think often that requires uh, reinvention. 
and um, which is quite a well, quite a big topic in itself. But um, so yeah, if I look at my own my own sort of work journey, um, yes, I actually when I started studying, I wanted to be a poet, and there wasn't much money in that. So my first year year of university was law, poetry, no, law sorry, law, English literature, geography, and um, psychology. So that's a typical not really knowing what you want to do, but Actually, I wanted to you know, drink, uh, drink beer and, and write poetry. And um, but anyway, I realized that wasn't really a good career move. So I went into law um, and law wasn't really a passion. It was more that people always just said that I, <clears throat> yeah, I sort of had the gift of the gab and good in an argument. And, and yeah, I found it fairly interesting, but it wasn't like I sort of woke up every morning going, wow, I love the law. Um, but I went, I went straight into corporate and that was exciting. I was part of a startup, uh, one of the, well, actually the first mobile phone operator um, in South Africa, um, which is certainly going back some <laughs> in the 90s. Um, and it, that was that was exciting because it was all new. Um, but once it wasn't, then and, you know, and the technology wasn't as new, then, then it became less so. Um, but I sort of during that time, I, I eventually got elected to, to become chairman of this global uh, trade organization of basically all the mobile phone operators in the world. Um, and they they uh, co cooperated on things like how to roam between networks, um, how to uh, develop technology standards. So I, I ran that organization for a couple of years, um, which was, we had members from over a hundred countries. It was very international. And I had this reinvention as a sort of technology person through that. Um, and then when that ended, um, I had, um, I was, only 30, it was during the technology boom in the in the 90s where you could be very young and do amazing, amazing things. Um, so I was only 30 years old that my chairmanship ended and I went from being um, someone who spoke at press conferences of like 100 journalists or spoke to thousands of people all, all around the world to someone who basically no one, no one was terribly interested in hearing from because it wasn't me, it was the position. So the position that had authority was the chairman of that organization. Um, and that was sort of, I often actually compare that to a sports person at 30, an elite sports person who's um, has that crash, that massive change of identity. So at 30 or some point in their 30s where they kind of say to themselves, is this it? Am I never, I've got my whole life ahead of me is everything I do in future always going to be less than this? And I had that sort of major sort of identity crisis at, at around 30, much like a sports person would. And I had to sort of reinvent myself. Um, and uh, it was coincided with moving to the UK. I'd met um, my wife, Jane, through, through that whole uh, international uh, part of my career. And it was really difficult, but I, I sort of uh, did sort of in consulting deals, but I had no sense of who I was. And then I sort of reinvented myself over time as an entrepreneur with uh, sort of a technology angle. And it was sort of a rebuild of, of my identity. And, um, and that lasted until, um, well, I, I guess this phase now where it's um, again, another reinvention to sort of become an elite sports person because I, I ran for Great Britain first at the age of 50, um, which is the, the oldest in the, in the modern era to do so. It's kind of this sort of bizarre, sort of getting it the wrong way around, sort of uh, a career early on, a career crash at 30, and then uh, become a, a sports person at 50. Um, it's, it's quite unusual, but yeah, it has certainly given, given me an unusual perspective. Um, 
So, all, but all of those things, all of those moments require reinvention. And so, I think if there's, if we, and all of those things, I think actually took me closer to the things I was really interested in, and and that my closer to my real identity and to who I was. And I think to 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 reinvent yourself does take personal courage, and even if it's in small ways, and. I mean, in my 30s, I was forced to reinvent myself. I had no choice. Um, it wasn't I sat there sagely and thought, well, okay, let me do this. I just, I had to, to, to carry on and survive. Um, but I think, you know, the other thing I was fortunate with is, is that the people around me let me reinvent myself. So I, I have a highly supportive wife who would say, yeah, sure, why, why not start a running team? Why not go and become an athlete? Why not, whatever, because because she's just that kind of person. And I'm, I'm very, very blessed to, to have that. Um, and we don't always let people reinvent themselves, the people we care about, the people we work with. Um, so I think that's, that's a key thing in, in going, following a passion. And then also you, the other element you mentioned was the, so just the, maybe something in your life that you go, I've always wanted to learn French. I've always wanted to, to run or be fitter or whatever it might be and how we apply ourselves to those things. And, um, I suppose the um, you know, we've we've all we've all done that where we start something and we just don't we don't carry on. I, I just wonder if we ask too much of ourselves at the beginning when we do those things and we think you know if I'm going to learn French I've got to be able to speak French in a year or I've got to whatever instead of taking those small daily steps that just get you to 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 some end point. And um, I, I started playing piano about five or six years ago. And um, I remember I just talk about it in, in the book. It's like you, I sort of looked ahead and thought, well, it doesn't matter what happens today. In 10 years time, I'm going to be able to be someone who plays piano. So if I have a bad day today or I can't play today or whatever, that doesn't matter. I'm just going to keep plugging away. And eventually I'll get to some point where I can do you know, something with some competence. And that's a wonderful idea. It doesn't matter if I can't do it at the end of this year or if I'm crap today um, and I'm still plugging away after five or six years and um, and in 10 years, now I'm still probably throwing it out to another 10 years, but anyway, but I have that real sense that I just keep plugging away and enjoying it for what it is that I will actually get somewhere. And if I'm also enjoying it just for what it is, instead of, yeah, instead of having to have a certain proficiency suddenly or suddenly be the guy I, I go and watch it on the stage somewhere, just enjoying it as me for what it is and for how well I can do it today. So, you know, it's a long answer to a short question. It's, it's fascinating though, because in the book you talked about how like mentally being able to approach a 24 hour race and since agreeing to obviously have a chat, I've spoke to a few people about it in kind of my sporting circles and we all agree it's insane. Um, <laughs> and, but, but actually reading the way you approach it, through the book of talking about how you break it down into these small little chunks and actually not letting the overwhelming scale of what you're doing like our kind of cynical response of that's mad but actually you don't think of it like that you approach it as a enjoying the process and little little chunks and actually it kind of without prompting looped exactly back to what you're talking about with piano there of just doing it a day at a time and actually enjoying the process and the outcome will kind of take care of itself and the question I kind of had for you was is there a trait or a, a single thing that's run through I guess your sporting business and life journey that's allowed you to get where you are now but I think I've kind of answered that already. Um, yeah it is, it is partly just that sort of just moving and just keeping uh, keeping going a day at a time um, there's also uh, you know I've mentioned optimism earlier I just I am just someone who believes that um, the future does hold interesting things it holds difficulty as well but 
that um, just by applying myself and putting stuff out there, good things will happen and that, that I will be able to deal with the, the difficulty that comes along. Uh, and also that if you don't put stuff out there and you're not trying, then the good things aren't going to happen. So you absolutely just have to just say, you know, even you know, whatever it is, I'm just going to take one step forward towards where I want to be. And then while I'm moving, while there's movement, there's hope. I mean, it's kind of like I said, exactly that in the race. It's like in this race, while I'm moving forward, there is hope. It doesn't matter how ill, how sore, how whatever, all I have to do is keep moving forward and then I will get to some, some kind of a positive end. And I think I've, I'm fortunate I've always had that. Um, that doesn't mean I'm, I don't get depressed sometimes or down or whatever. Um, but I think just in general, trying to, trying to sort of um, harness that general belief, not in, wow, everything's going to be great, but that general sort of feeling that if I just keep trying, then um, good things will happen to me and, and will happen in the direction of, you know, that, that, that I want. Um, and um, yeah, as you said, in, in, a, in that race, a 24-hour um, uh, run, it's, it was exactly that. You know, I, I think I talked about doing that first lap. In the end, I did 633 laps or something. But that first lap, you could kind of go, oh, my God, that's one lap. Uh, and I've got to do hundreds and hundreds more. That's terrible. Or you could go, wow, I've, I've done, I've got my first lap. And I, I had this mental feeling of literally taking that lap and placing it behind me and going, great, look at that. I've got a lap behind me. Um, and I had worked on, on, on these kind of things with, with a, a mental performance coach and stuff, which helps as well uh, on these sort of techniques. But uh, although that one yeah, was, was a bit of an invention, but it, it did help me focus on what I'd done rather than the enormity of, of what I had to do in the future. Um, because, yeah, that's always going to be a, a much, much tougher ask. And then you can go, well, it's impossible. I, I can't do it. Um, there's too much to do. So, um, yeah, rather look at what you've already achieved and, and pat yourself on the back you know, for it and, and, and keep, keep moving forward, really really like that and it, I mean there's one more thing I want to ask because I think being the <clears throat> kind of reflecting back probably quite an egotistical teenager and thought I had it all figured out at 20 and then at 30 you realize you didn't have a clue and then at 35 <laughs> you realize you didn't have a clue at 30 and so on and so yeah. forth going through everything you've done now so you've done the GB representation you started the team you've gone through these failures of getting into the uh, endurance sport world when you first started it having the entrepreneurial stuff and everything else that came with it when you look back now, that kind of wisdom, if you had to bottle it up, what would you go back if you were starting the journey and say to yourself? Because as I said, like I think every person, when they go through those various milestones in their life, reflect back and perhaps have a slightly different perception on things the further they get into their life. So if you'd cast your mind back right to the start when you're actually just getting on this start of this journey, what, what would you go back and say? I'd probably tell myself sort of a bit of what we've spoken about already, but just... Yeah, I would tell myself, Mike, it's okay. You're going to figure it out. So don't like just be, just you know, believe in yourself and uh, and trust yourself. And um, you know, you'll you'll find out what the things you're good at. Also by trying lots of different things. I suppose that's 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 the other one. Um, you know, I, I guess maybe I would say follow you know, follow the passion and whatever. But you know, life isn't necessarily like that. I I don't regret. Um, doing a job for a while where I could, um, you know, earn a reasonable living and because that helped me do the things that I, I did later. 
Um, I suppose I would also say just embrace the experience because um, whatever whatever it is, you know, I mean, there were some very difficult times, particularly in my my twenties, where I mean, I, I literally almost worked myself to death, um, and it was just so hard and so difficult, particularly at a young age, dealing with the responsibility that I had. Um, but you know, I think just embracing those those difficult times and and knowing that you you'll find your way through it is something that I would would have told myself. Um, and um, and knowing that probably as you mature, you do figure more things out, and that you will find the things that probably fulfill you in a in a more profound way. But actually, you probably have to do all the other stuff to find those things. It's not like I, I could have known at 22, okay, great, go become a, an athlete and start a running team. You know, I had to do all the other things I did and have all those experiences to be the person who figured out what I want to do today. And in, in 20 years' time, it might be something completely different. You know, we'll chat again and we go, Mike, Mike weren't, you, weren't you very interested to, in, in running teams? Like, oh, no, no, it's like you know, nuclear science, I'm into, or whatever it might be, who knows? But um, so I think, I think that, but, and also, I guess I would tell myself just to, um, to engage with diff the difficulty as well, which I think I, did, I have done well, but you know, with the challenge, because when challenging things come along, it's easy to try to avoid them or, but to face into them and to, to make the best of them and to learn from them. And I've done that reasonably well. There's probably sometimes when I didn't, but I, I would probably you know, tell myself that you know, those moments will come, but face into them and, and learn from them. Um, and, you know, for, and, and that will be very helpful in, in later life. Fantastic. Well, it's a lovely way to pull it all together. And we're obviously going to include the, the links to everything you're doing with Hour 7. The book, obviously, cannot recommend it enough for everyone to check out. But I think it's going to be really interesting to follow this going forwards, because I still think like we've only scratched the surface of where this project's going to go. So thank you so much for sharing some time with us today and look forward to speaking again soon. Well, thanks so much. Great fun. Lovely talking to you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. And don't forget, we've got a back catalogue of content that goes all the way back to January 2020, including fighter pilots, Olympic champions, TV presenters and inspiring authors. We'd really appreciate it if you can give us a quick rate and review, however you're joining us today. And if you don't want to miss out on any future episodes, make sure you hit subscribe. Our community update drops once a month and we've got some great guest content being added, so be sure to sign up for that. And finally, we're all about inspiring and supporting as many people as possible. So if you can share this episode with one person that you think would enjoy it, that would be really, really cool. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Road Monkey Podcast. <laughs>